What's up, y'all? I'm Alan Hayne, the Lawn Care Nut, and this is Lawns Across America 2022. We are at the end of March. The spring is in full swing. Everyone around the country is either awake and moving or right on the cusp of the season starting. Welcome to 2022 lawn season. Let's all get ready to enjoy the mow. Now, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about some some straight up tips, really. What should you be doing right now in the spring? Cool season lawns. Should you be pushing nitrogen right out the gates and why? Warm season lawns. What should you be doing? What about that dreaded scalp for zoysia and Bermuda? St. Augustine, what are you doing? Florida, we're in the dry season right now. Let me just start out by saying, if you're in Florida, this is the dry season. Our rainy season is the summer. Everyone here is, everyone is coming down here right now for spring break. You guys, if you were here last week for spring break, you experienced the nicest weather I have felt in Florida in many, many years. I'm talking sunny and 75 kind of thing where you want to put your toes in the water, your ass in the sand kind of deal. So this is the time of year when people are here and enjoying things. And it is also a time when there is not a lot of humidity and almost no rain. And so you want to make sure you're watering. Whereas the rest of you just coming into the spring here, probably up through the north, you're in your rainy season. You need to take advantage of that. Things are growing and it's time to push. We're also going to cover this week. We're going to talk about the Melorganite clones. I have been having so much fun doing research on Melorganite clones or what I'm calling fake Melorganite as a joke for fun. So I'm going to touch on that a little bit in this podcast as well as probably start doing a little bit more material on that. And uh, whatever else we come up with, we'll see what we can scare up this week. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Hope to give you a nice hour here of lawn care tips and lawn care advice, as well as a little bit of 80s tunes here on Lawns Across America. Let's get into it. All right, y'all, so quick topic I want to cover here today right off the hop, and this is one where I'm going to approach things a lot differently than probably what you're hearing or seeing elsewhere, and that's good. That's why you listen to this podcast, because we're able to dig into things a little bit deeper and look at things in a little different way, and that comes 
right now down to a lot of questions I'm getting, which are, Alan, should I start the year out with nitrogen or should I start the year out pushing the lawn with nitrogen? And mostly that's cool season folks asking that question because here we are at the backside of March. So uh, more and more of you, the further north, your lawns are starting to wake up. You're getting out into the lawn and you're wondering, should I push the lawn early? Now, there's a, a couple of different ways to approach that when you when you think about it. And the first one is, is to realize that there isn't any wrong way. You're going to hear people that will say, well, no, we don't we don't recommend pushing nitrogen until later in the season, like May or whatever. They'll give you whatever the their their thought is, right? Well, whereas I say push nitrogen and cool season lawns as early as possible. Like as soon as you can get into the lawn, you throw down, right? So I'm like, the, there there's all those extremes. And then there's everyone in between. And you have to look at it like there isn't a wrong answer here. I'll tell you why. Because there isn't a wrong or right diet for everybody. Some people go keto. Some people go vegan. Some people go, you know, whatever. Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig. These are all different uh, philosophies that these different diets have. And uh, some work for some people and some don't work for others. But does that mean that one is right and one is wrong? No, it's just the way that works for you. And that's where I want to get into the next piece, which is let's talk practically. So let's pretend you're somebody who is in um, southern Wisconsin because you're just waking up and so probably sometime in the last week or two you've gotten out for the first time to get into your lawn for the year. The snow has finally gone most of it to the point where you can get out there and you can get out uh, and start looking and walking around the lawn, right? And you know you do that. You can smell a difference in the air and it like tells you come out here. It's like the lawn is calling to you come out. It's time to come out here and look around. And you do. And and you walk around and you survey and you go, oh man, I got torn up by the the mice over here, the ground voles, the field mice, whatever you want to call it. I got torn up by those over here. And I got snow mold over there. And yeah, there's an area of my lawn where there wasn't snowpack. And look at that. That one's looking like it's greening up a little slower because the wind just desiccated it and just ripped all the moisture out of everything. So that's coming along slower. You know, you're doing that and you're, what are you doing? You're doing what I tell you to do, rake. Get out and do some raking. It's good. Open things up, get some airflow. So that's what you're doing. Now, I would tell you that right at that same time, because you're out, because you're active, because you have the time, you should throw down fertilizer. And I would say flagship. That's my first choice. It's three quarter pounds of nitrogen. I like to fool you into thinking it's a lot more by saying hammer it, hammer it, throw it down. Nitrogen drives the bus and making you think that you're going crazy, but you're not really. Three quarter pound of nitrogen that early in the season is nothing that anyone would say is crazy. I just do that to trick you into doing it, right? Because I'm trying to sell you fertilizer. No, because I'm trying to get you to get results because everybody, not everybody, a lot of folks are scared. They're scared to throw down. So by me telling you to throw down hard and blah, 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 and then you get results, that's all part of my my shtick, right? Uh, but let's think about it practically. So this is that first time that you're out on the lawn and you're actually able to see it and look at it and you have time. Because here's what's going to happen. We got, uh, we got Easter coming up. You know, if you wait, I'm saying if you wait, if you don't throw down now, what's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Easter's coming up. That weekend's gone. You're not throwing down that weekend. Um, what Father's Day is somewhere in there. Um, you're going to have uh, spring sports are kicking in for the kids. So that takes away Saturday and Sunday time in a lot of cases. You know, um, oh, if you coach, all your weeknight lawn work is gone. And and what's going to happen is you're going to, the time is going to get away from you if you wait. And you're going to end up not throwing down at all. That is a practical thing that happens. But right now when it's early, 
there there isn't a lot of call on your Saturday time. It's early enough that nobody has scheduled anything yet for Saturdays because they know that there's a chance that weather could cancel it. So this is your time to take advantage of that 55, 60 degree day when you don't have anything scheduled. But I'm telling you, if you wait, well, we'll wait. We'll be conservative with our nitrogen. We'll wait until later April to do that. I'm telling you by then, there's gonna be so many things ripping for your time, including nicer weather, which means more family stuff to do. Right. And I'm not, I mean, I'm fortunate. My kids are grown. So my Saturdays are mine. But I remember back when it, when we, you know, we, we had, uh, we're coming out of winter and it's spring and there's those nice days. We, we want to do family stuff. We want to get out, you know? Uh, so just, just think about, uh, uh, what is going to happen practically if you don't throw down now. I look at it more that way because I can tell you, I've had that happen where people, I hear it all the time where people's year gets away from them because they don't start early, they don't get in those early habits. Uh, they don't take advantage of the time they have early. So if anything, if any other way to look at it, if you're trying to decide should you throw down early or not, look at it practically and realize if you have the time, the time to strike is now. That's how you have to do it with lawn care, being a practical homeowner, knowing that life is going to get away from you soon. All right, so we were talking earlier. By the way, if this shirt's all wrinkly, I'm sorry. <laughs> bottom of the closet or bottom <laughs> bottom of the drawer. Uh, so we were talking earlier about cool season lawns and how I recommend nitrogen right away in the spring, and I gave you a few reasons for that. But mainly it's really just about getting that early domination out, let's just be honest. But with warm season turf, things are a little different. You know, we've talked about the growth curves in the past. Cool season turf, your growth humps, your growth times, your growth spurts happen in spring and fall like two camel humps. Whereas with warm season turf, it's this long ramp to summer, peaks in the summer, and then long ramp out into winter. And so we are really raging in the summer. That's when we're going to do the most growth. That's when our lawns are going to get the thickest. That's when we're going to be mowing the most. So what happens is spring becomes a time when, you know, you can get a little impatient and you can wonder, is my lawn ever going to come back, especially with Bermuda, which is seems to be the slowest to green up in the springtime. And Zoysia, not too far behind. St. Augustine seems to green up a little faster, but I believe that's probably mostly just because St. Augustine is typically planted further south, and so you're going to see it green up more when you're online. And I want to say that's part of the challenge that we all face here, right? Y'all are in the Facebook groups, and what's happening is you're you're sitting here, you know, in noon in Georgia, and you have Bermuda grass, and it's just barely starting to green up. We're already past the the time change, so we have longer days now, so it seems warmer to you. We actually do have longer days, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's warmer outside. You're getting out. Your Things are happening. Flowers are blooming, right? But the grass is greening up slow. And then you're on Facebook, and you're seeing warm season people, say, in uh, southern Indiana, tall fescue just blowed up green, dark green. North Carolina, dark green fescue, beautiful stripes. And here you are with your Bermuda. You haven't had snow. You don't get snow. So you've been looking at this brown lawn for months. And, and, and all of a sudden, the people that had snow, well, southern Indiana doesn't have snow, but you get what I'm saying. Even, I mean, listen, there's, there's, there's uh, green lawns in Indianapolis right now that did have snow. And here you are. You have no snow. You have no real winter to speak of in Georgia. You think it's a winter. But people in Indianapolis understand winter in a little bit different way. Their lawn's already green and yours is not. And you're going, what is going on here? It's just the nature of the grass type. And so what I recommend more for warm season turf right now, and this comes off of an email I got from a guy 
who was talking about he has a zoysia lawn and um, he just moved in and it, it, to him it looks bad. It looks all dead. He, he, his email to me was, there's no grass to speak of. Now I had him send me a few pictures. There's plenty of grass there. He just doesn't, doesn't recognize it because it looks all brown and dead because it's been dormant and he's been looking at it since he moved into the house. In the fall, it's been dormant. But the long and the short of it is here, the first thing you do, and now would be the time because the days are long enough, the first thing you do with Bermuda and Zoysia, that's who I'm talking to mostly right here. We'll get to Centipede, St. Augustine, and Bahia grass. Get to you all in a minute. But for my Zoysia and my Bermuda friends, the first thing you do is you scalp. Now, I understand that scalping feels bad. It feels terrible. It's scary. You think you're going to hurt something. And I still feel that to this day. I have been dealing with my Empire Zoysia on the side of my house now. I think this is my fourth year. Boy, it seems like a lifetime. Third year, fourth year. Either way, I have to rehab it every spring. It just gets like winter, animals destroy it, disease destroys it, it dries out. It, did I mention disease again? Um, it just, you know, and we're not supposed to go dormant here, but it, it just it just gets trashed. It also doesn't, I don't know. There's a lot of challenges with zoysia. I like it. It's wonderful grass, but boy, is it finicky. And so I end up having to rehab it every spring. And when I say I rehab it, I basically scalp it now. I don't have the stones to scalp it to the dirt. But what I do is I take it to the lowest setting that my Toro Super Recycler will do, which is maybe like right at an inch, just under an inch. That's I call that a scalp and I call that good. And by the way, if you can handle that much pain, because you have to get there over time, right? Um, you know, that's the other problem. My fault in the summer is I get carried away or I, I don't get carried away. The zoysia gets carried away. It gets a lot of rain. It gets really tall. It gets really leggy. And so I end up letting it grow to three and a half, four inches because I can't keep up with the stuff. Um, my fault again. And so what happens is it gets, it gets tall and mushy. And yeah, so I guess it's my fault that I have to rehab it every spring. Right. But you guys are the same as me. I know this happens to you. If it happens to me, for sure. I'm only dealing with like 2000 square feet of it on the side and, and I can't keep up with it. I shouldn't say that. I am not. I could keep up with it. I'm not. Maybe I'll try that this year, right? But either way, I rehab, scalp it back down. You get like a fresh start. And the same works for Bermuda. So when you scalp it all down, you don't scalp it all down in one shot. You're at three and a half. You take it down a notch. You take it down a notch. You take it down a notch. Sometimes you might bag. Sometimes you might. What I do is hope for the best and just go over the lawn literally like 20 times back and forth and back and forth and just crunch them up and grind them in because I don't want a bag because I don't want to have to put everything in a can that I don't want to have to drag out to the curb because I'll forget that the guy that clips it picks up the debris clippings comes on Wednesday. I'll forget that. So then those debris clippings will sit there for an extra week. And what happens is they start to stink really, really bad. And you can just imagine this becomes a problem, right? So I don't want to deal with that. So I just try to mulch them in. But the long and the short of it is I get that bad boy down there as low as I can on that zoysia. And you should do the same. I don't care how painful it is. Do it on the Bermuda too. Get it down there. You're not going to hurt these grass types. Okay. You can do that now. Now is the time to do that. During that, you're going to notice things, you know, areas that may need to be leveled, whatever. Um, and that is the start. The next thing you're going to want to do then, obviously, is you're pre-emergent. You're opening things up so the sun is going to start to penetrate. That's going to wake up weed seeds deeper, but that's okay. Get your prodiamine right down on top of it same day if you haven't already. You're probably closer to the end of the window there. Uh, prodiamine first app in Georgia should have been done a while ago, but you could be on your second app, you know, again, get the app, look at the soil temps. Now, you can fertilize, but we're not going to go high in nitrogen. We do want some nitrogen. We want a little bit in there. We want to squeeze, 
but really we want some potassium and I like magnesium too. I consider magnesium to be an activator. So I like some magnesium, but I really like potassium like that in the spring. That'll get things helpful with stress. You're going to stress it <laughs> by scalping it. It's stressed because it's coming out of winter. Uh, it's trying to wake up. It's trying to figure out what's going on. So yeah, good, good idea to give it some potassium. And, and so you've seen the 7020 stress blend, um, it's great stuff. You can see the results. So that's what I recommend that you start out with there in the spring. Now, the other thing that's going to start happening is, is your your weeds are going to outrun you. This is the thing that doesn't necessarily happen with cool season lawns where, you know, they kind of have some weeds in the spring, maybe some himbit or whatever left over from fall that has a purple flowers that everybody thinks is creeping Charlie, but it's actually himbit. You might have some of that, but you're going to be a hero once it gets about 80 degrees. All that's going to die anyway, and you're going to think that you're so awesome. But really with cool season lawns, it's, it's like dandelions will come like the first of of um, of May, right? That they just they just hammer in and everybody s scoops them out. Maybe there's a little clover in there and you're kind of done. Whereas with warm season lawns, the weeds start really early. They probably started like back in January, February, March, and they've been raging, raging, raging. And your Bermuda hasn't been growing. Your zoysia hasn't been growing. It hasn't been able to choke out those weeds. So the weeds have gone unfettered. <laughs> How's that for a nice word? And so you want to get some post-emergent weed control out there and you want to start, uh, you know, with, with that train real early. So uh, I like Celsius. You know, Celsius works great in the summer. Um, it, it's a little slower. It's slow anyway. It's a little slower in the spring, but it's expensive. So if you're going to buy one all-in-one, you know, all-the-time-use product, I like Celsius. Of course, if you want an over-the-counter, the image purple label works quite well also. Uh, so those are kind of your strategies early on with the warm season. We're, we're really more about that scalping. You know, just like I tell the cool season guys, you guys need to be rake, 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 rake. With us down here, we need to scalp. So I did my zoysia. I scalped it out. And uh, I'll show you guys an update on the channel here coming up. It's coming along. I've had some issues with my irrigation. So that slowed things down a little bit. And we also got a little bit of a cold snap. Not anything that like a, not like a frosty cold snap, but cold enough to where the temps would just stunt the growth and slow it down. So it's coming along. And uh, you'll see my zoysia will be like looking awesome again. It just, just takes, I don't know, like every year's a rehab, I guess. Quick add-on segment here I'm putting in just as I'm editing this. Once you scalp down that Bermuda or that zoysia, you definitely want to make sure that you get on that frequent mowing train because you're going to want to reset that level. That's the thing about those grass types that you are able to do. They are so forgiving. You can reset a level, and they're not going to phase. They will come back. So if you get that zoysia down to that one-inch, two-inch, one-inch, wherever you're at, scalp. Now decide where's my new level set. Is it going to be a two-inch cut? Bam, that's where I'm going to stay all year. Get into that that mowing twice a week habit every three days, every four days, bam, bam, bam. Keep it at that two. Try to stay at that level set knowing as you move on, you're probably things are going to get away from you. You understand, but you really want to get on as soon as you can get on that mowing train and try to reset that level and keep that as low as you can on that Bermuda and that Zoysia. Okay. Now let's go to my friends with St. Augustine and to a certain extent, uh, well, I'll talk to centipedes separately, but St. Augustine grass. So we're mostly in the South. So like in Florida right now, you should, you can be fertilizing monthly three quarter pound of nitrogen. We're, we're on the flagship train, right? We're moving. Uh, in most of Florida, even up into Jacksonville now, I'm getting folks that are just starting to recover. Their St. Augustine grass is starting to green up. We're seeing a lot of folks putting in pictures, hey, finally my grass greened up. Some areas didn't. You need to keep feeding that beast. The biggest mistake, and I've said this before, that I see with St. Augustine grass, whether it's in Florida, Texas, or anywhere else, is you don't feed it enough. And by the way, that's really going to be the case with all warm season grass, but for some reason, people are scared to feed St. Augustine grass because they're scared of disease. So listen, I have seen... I've watched it now in my neighbor's lawns, especially during the wintertime, but also in the 
in the later spring and summer, we get rhizoctonia. Um, we get kind of two rounds of it in this part of Florida. And I've seen the folks that don't do any fertilizing at all. And so what happens is they have no defense. They have no way to regrow because there's no vigor in the turf. So the disease just rakes through the turf. The water just pulls the disease through the turf. And because the turf is not vigorous, it can't regrow. It can't defend it. It just, it just suffers. Whereas those of us that push with nitrogen, and remember, when I tell you to push, 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 my nitrogen rates are actually not that high. I've proven it before. My nitrogen rates overall are actually lower than the University of Florida recommends. I just speak in a way that takes the fear out of it. The long and the short of it is so if you push the nitrogen the way I talked to you about, your lawn is vigorous enough to grow through problems just like a human that can get through sickness, right? You don't take medicine for everything. You get the sniffles. What do you do? You power through, bro. That's why you have a strong immunity. Well, that's kind of the same thing with the lawn. Not every disease has to be feared. You just push the lawn through it. You work the lawn through it. You suffer with some disease knowing that overall the lawn is going to be healthy. That is kind of how I like to work things. And, and if you get over that fear of disease and you start feeding the lawn, you will see that it becomes much more healthy. Obviously, my lawn is much more green. You can see in my videos, um, my St. Augustine is greener than everyone else's. And, and it's not like I'm over pushing it. I don't mow any more than anyone else. So I don't know where I'm going with that, <laughs> except with St. Augustine grasses, feed it, feed the beast. I mean, again, oh, I know what I'm saying. Go into your St. Augustine grass and pull up some stolons. And just, just feel how thick those are, how crunchy they are, like woody that is, that plant. There is no other grass that you're going to have. No Kentucky bluegrass, definitely no perennial rye, no turf-type tall fescue. None of those grasses that you had up north, they don't have that type of vascularity. They don't have that type of genetics. They don't need to be fed. But the St. Augustine needs that pump. The St. Augustine has that vascularity, and you need to feed that beast to keep it growing. Like I said, just look at the physical characteristics of it, and you will see why it needs to be fed. So with that, I want to go now also to centipede. So centipede, a little bit different. Uh, like its St. Augustine friends, it's, it grows with, with stolons. It doesn't have rhizomes, so it does creep, but it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit lighter in color. I used to see a lot of centipede in the low country, South Carolina. And so that's a little bit different deal. We're talking a lot of potassium there. We're talking some iron. Stress blend is great for that. You can use uh, you can use flagship there. It's only three quarter pounds of nitrogen. You just don't want to be hammering every month. Uh, I would really highly recommend, I mean, you could follow the app if you wanted to, but I would highly recommend you go on the liquid program for Centipede. Learn to spray liquids. I just really like the way the liquid program kind of lays out for centipede, especially when you look at the 1801 green punch, which is like a quarter pound of nitrogen monthly, which is what you can call a spoon feed. But then we come back over the top with that 700 green effect. And that's the one I talked about uh, in the podcast here that has that foliar absorption. And that is going to be the way that you get that centipede extra dark green without hammering it with too much nitrogen is that 700 green effect. So you have the 1801 that's given it its base nutrients that it needs spoon feed just to keep it happy. But then that 700 is what gives you that nice, pretty green that you want. And then, of course, the biostimulants come in and maximize all of those together. Because remember, NEXT stands for nitrogen extension. Now, my friends with Bahia grass, I so want to do a Bahia project. Uh, I say that. I'm going to probably have some, some calls come in. Um, if there is one close to the office here in Lakewood Ranch over by there, I'd consider coming over and doing some Bahia stuff. So um, more and more people are starting to come into the YM office here. So... Let's find a Bahia project. I'll just put that out there. But 
But yeah, Bahia, such a different animal. It is the grass that I grew up with. I said one time when I visited my house in St. Pete, I need to go back over there and show you guys the house I grew up in in St. Pete. And uh, um, I said that it had Bermuda, but it was Bahia. I was talking to my dad actually this weekend, asking him his memories of lawn care because we, it's, it's interesting. I've said this before. My dad's a DIY guy, can build anything. He can ride rope, hammer, and paint, do things with his hands that most men can't, right? But he is not a lawn guy. He is now. And in fact, this dominates most of our conversations when I call him, uh, when I call home as we talk about the lawn and he tells me about his different sections and what he's putting down on him. He's fighting moss right now, which I don't have experience with. So he's gone on YouTube and he's gotten some different home remedies that he's using. Baking soda, maybe. I don't know. Some Jerry Baker thing. And he's burning it out. Now he's trying to seed into it, which I believe is going to be a challenge. Um, but he's trying. It's so, it's, so it's so fun to watch your dad um, you know, in his late seventies, who was never a lawn guy learning lawn care and experimenting with it. And, um, that's in North Carolina. So, uh, and he literally lives on a pasture. Like there, there's a, there are bulls, there are rodeo bulls, um, almost in his front yard in the pasture across from his front yard. So <laughs> yeah. So, but growing up, he was not a lawn guy. So we had a Bahia lawn, which a lot of St. Pete lawns are. And, uh, but he said that one time he tried to sod the backyard. He got it he was younger, maybe in his 30s, and he decided he wanted to have a lawn in the back, so he sodded, but he said he made a mistake because all he did was he took his old mower and he scalped down the Bahia and just dropped, it was St. Augustine sod, he just dropped it over top of the Bahia, and of course it died out, and we didn't have an irrigation system, so there could have been any number of reasons why, but so he said that failed. I also remember a time when we plugged the front lawn. He didn't have a lot of memories of that, but I did because I just remembered how weird it looked when I was a little kid and how we couldn't run in the front lawn for so long. And we would watch the Stolens creep across. And I don't think plugging is done as much um, these days, but I'll tell you in the eighties, plugging was done to lawns a lot. Um, I don't know if it's because sod production prices have come down. I don't know if there is more demand for sod. If there are, if people are spending more money on their homes now than they did in the eighties per capita, I don't know why, sod has dominated plugs but it used to be plugs Pursley plugs was a big name here Pursley sod locals will know boy that was interesting i'm going on a rabbit trail but we did do the, the we did do the plugs and those failed i uh weeds took over and so we had a dominant bahia lawn obviously it had wild bermuda in it too the thing i just remember about the bahia that i didn't like is it's a pass palum so it would send up those y-shaped seed heads big, long Y-shaped sea heads. I think they were a good 12 to 16 inches tall. And so as soon as you'd mow the lawn, you'd always miss a couple, which sucked. It would look terrible. Oh, it's just horrible looking. And then uh, they would grow back the next day. But I think now, see, technology is better. We have, uh, um, I say that lawnmower technology is better. We also know more about things. Anyway, I would like to try a Bahia lawn, I guess. Maybe I feel like as a kid, I didn't take on the opportunity uh, I didn't have the interest in fertilizing all that as a kid. I mowed, you know, I mowed for money so I could take my girlfriend to the movies. It was that simple. It wasn't that I liked lawns as a kid. But uh, I'm wondering how a Bahia lawn challenge would be. So, kind of fun. All right, well, there's a lot of, uh, I guess I should give you some Bahia tips, though, shouldn't I? <laughs> okay, so Bahia, um, man, yeah, you're going to want to kind of go similar to centipede. You don't want to hammer too hard here in the spring, but, boy, you can get some dark green color. So, uh, yeah, maybe the 7020 Stress Blend is what I would go with. 
again, you could you could work in you could work in some flagship. You could put in three quarter pound of nitrogen if you wanted to. Boy, malorganite would probably be good. Um, something like that. And then really, you know, in the summer, I guess it just depends. I need to experiment more with Bahia and see what can happen if you push it with mowing and nitrogen. But I've always been told not to push it, mow it tall. Um, you know, seven zero zero would be good for it. I guess I really want to up my Bahia knowledge. I've I've put out programs based on you know, what I think would work and what I've seen around me in, you know, in, in, in different places. But man, I want to try one. I want to try one and push it to extreme. Yeah, let's do that. Maybe we just need to find a project. All right, that's been enough rambling. And uh, on to the next segment. Okay, here's another fun one to explore, and I'm just going to kind of riff on this one because this one comes up a lot. And this is about putting things down at the same time. People will ask, can I put this down at the same time as that? So right now, and we've gone over this before, but I'm going to go over a lot more things and kind of get you to look at it in a little bit different way. But the big one right now is people will be throwing down prodiamine, which is pre-emergent, and they'll also be throwing down their first application of fertilizer. You know, if you're up north flagship, if you're down south, uh, could be uh, stress blend, or you might be coming into, into flagship also. So can you do prodiamine and flagship at the same time? The answer is yes. You don't want to mix them together in the hopper like that. We don't do that with any granular product. You will never find me recommending any time ever to mix granular products together in the hopper, never. However, two separate applications on the same day of prodiamine and flagship and then water it all in together is great. That's a very good strategy. That's one of those ways to save time. Strike while you have that time. Now, with that, though, let's consider some other things that are going to be coming up. So right now, folks are putting down um, weed control, post-emergent weed control. They're spraying because weeds are coming up, and they're also putting down uh, liquid fertilizer. And so what they're asking me is, can I, they're asking a couple of things. They're asking, can I mix those together? But they're asking, can I put them down together or at the same time. So before even worrying about, can I mix weed control with liquid fertilizer, let's look at something different. Let's look at how does each need to be treated after it's applied. And I can tell you that in most cases, post-emergent weed control, a post-emergent weed control is something you put on a weed to kill it. It's an existing weed. The post-emergent weed control kills it. So in cool season lawns, some of the active ingredients you'll hear about are 2,4-D. You'll hear dicamba. You'll hear about um, MCPA and MCPP. Yeah, you know me. These are all uh, active ingredients that are used to kill weeds in cool season lawns. Uh, in warm season lawns, you know, we use some different uh, active ingredients, but we you'll hear more about me talk about um, brand names in that case because for warm season turf, it's a little bit different. And the brand name I recommend is the Image Purple Label that you can get at Home Depot and Lowe's all across the South. That's got multiple active ingredients in it, but that is a post-emergent weed control for warm season turf. Now, with that, though, when you think about applying that, do you want to water that in? And then let's go back to that liquid fertilizer and think about, do we want to water that in? Right, you think about that. That fertilizer, yes, you want to water that in. 99% of liquid fertilizers, you want to water those in because they need to get into the soil. And by the way, that's a granular fertilizer too. They need to get into the soil in order to be uh, activated. 
when you think about a post-emergent weed control, you don't want to water that in because you want that to sit on the leaves of the of the uh, weed that you sprayed it on because it needs to absorb in through those leaves. Or if it's a burn down type product, it needs to burn them down. But either way, it has to sit on those leaves. So you can see that those two things are opposite of one another when it comes to how they're treated afterward. So that's one of those standards that you can apply if you're thinking about, are there two things that I can apply at the same time? Just think about the way they're treated after. And if one needs to be watered in and one doesn't, that should just tell you right there, no, I should not mix these together. And no, I should not apply these at the same time. Speaking of watering in, we've been talking about that in liquid fertilizers, which I just brought up. Let's talk about some liquid fertilizers that do need to be watered in versus some that don't, because I see this as a little bit of a misconception around in some cases too. Now, let me just say, anytime you're spraying a liquid onto foliage, I'm sure that there is some very small amount of absorption through the leaves that occurs. However, in most cases, it won't be enough for you to see a visual result in the turf, and it won't be enough to make a difference in the grand scheme of things in most cases. However, there are some liquid fertilizers that are formulated especially to absorb through the grass blades, through the leaf tissue, and typically those are spiked with something, and the term you will use that you will hear used is an adjuvant. And an adjuvant, in the case of the one we talk about, the 700 green effect, that adjuvant is citric acid. And I guess the best way to think about an adjuvant is it's a way that makes uh, particles smaller, makes the mix thinner, I guess would be a way to say it. The law, And I'm not a scientist here, so I'm not trying to act like that at all. But the long and the short of it is what that citric acid does, what that adjuvant does, is it activates the liquid fertilizer in such a way that it is able to then be taken in by the grass blades or by the leaf tissue. The only product that we have in our line of fertilizers that we sell of liquid fertilizers on the next product line that does is designed for fully absorption, foliar absorption, and sold as a product that will absorb through foliage is the 700 green effect. All of the others, if they have some of that action that happens, it's not enough to be, a, to, to be of, of any major effect. So we don't market it that way, and I don't talk about it in those terms. All of the others, that would be the even the 2600 that we just released, 1801 Green Punch, 901 501 Spoon Juice, all of those, 002 Microgreen, which is a fertilizer for micros, all miners, all of those need to be watered in, okay? The 700 Green Effect should be sprayed on and left. However, I've talked to John Perry about this. He says all of the foliar absorption happens within a few minutes. Now, is that 10 minutes or 15? I don't know, but for sure it's within 15 minutes, Okay. And you can see it when you spray it. There's like this sheen where you can see it sticking, and you don't see that with their other products. Now, I've used a finer misting tip uh, with great success. However, I can still use the same flood jets. I use the white flood jet uh, with my four-gallon backpack, um, and I've also done it at the Freedom Factory with my large ride-on equipment. When you put enough PSI behind it, it put enough ass into it, uh, and you have to have a powerful enough pump to deliver volume to keep the PSI consistent, which we do with my very expensive backpack sprayer. But uh, that one uh, puts enough PSI that I can jack it up and it'll it'll splurt out 
Splurt out. That's a technical term. Splurt out. It'll basically change the droplets to smaller out of that white flood jet to where it'll get a nice sheen on the grass blades. This is one of those things you guys will play with depending on what your equipment is. But think about when you're using that 700, you want to get that sheen. You want to get that coating across there. Um, also, um, be careful. Don't track out onto your pavement, onto your driveway if your feet it's on your feet because you'll get orange spots because it is loaded with iron. All right, here's a fun one that comes up a lot, and I'm probably going to do a little bit more content on this, maybe as a short. I haven't decided yet, but it's all of these Melorganite clones that are coming up, and people don't know what they are. I, I will literally go to a store like a Lowe's or an Ace, and I will see the, it especially shows at Ace, because Ace stores, especially, we have a really cool Ace right here, a very large one, but they don't have the fertilizer stock that like a Home Depot does, right? So in other words, whereas Home Depot might have a full pallet of Melorganite sitting there, Ace only has one facing and a stack of three at any given time there. And then when one or two of those cells, they just restock one of those three, because they just have a smaller um, uh, facing. They don't have as much shelf space. So that's where it shows the most. And so what I'll find is when I go to Ace, I'll see their Melorganite clone because almost every store you go to now is a Melorganite clone because someone's trying to capitalize, right, on the popularity of it and the, and the scarcity of it. And so you'll see the hole where there's no Melorganite and then next to it will be the clone full every time, every single time. And I know it's because people don't realize what it is. The, the people that are making these clones, they, they'll call it natural. Some are using the word organic. Some are using, you know, good from the earth. They're trying to do different things to get people to realize what it is. But what they don't realize is people don't care about that. The people that are buying Melorganite don't care about... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blanket statement for y'all, okay? I know the comments will tell me I'm wrong. But the majority of folks going to the store looking for Melorganite are not looking for it because it's natural or because it's organic or because it's anything else except that it's Melorganite. Melorganite has become a thing you do to the lawn. You Melorganite your lawn. I don't know if you guys realize that phenomenon. Now, it happened a couple of years ago, but it still carries on. It peaked a couple years ago. But that is an internet phenomenon where I watched it happen. I was in the middle of it. So, that's why these clones don't sell. Now, there is one clone that does sell, and it sells gangbusters, and that one is the Sunnyland clone down here in Florida, and that's because they branded it to look almost just like Melorganite. In fact, and when I say that, if you're watching on the podcast here, I'll put up a picture of it. The thing about it is, even to this day, me, Alan Hain, when I go, now, Melorganite here is always at Home Depot. I don't see it at Lowe's. Or is it Lowe's not at Home Depot? Well, I can't remember now. But anyway, it's pretty scarce here in Florida right now. But the long and the short of it is whenever I would go to one of those stores and I would look down the aisle and I would peep, I would go, oh, they got Milo in stock. And I would get down there and it would be the, the clone. It would be the fooler from, from Sunnyland because he made his bag look so much like the Milo bag. That's smart, right? I mean, you, I mean that's smart. Because it works. It, he's, you know, he's he's capitalized on that. Lee's on the bag. He put himself on the bag, my bro. <laughs> so, I mean, that one has done well. But for the rest, let me explain to you folks that are looking for that Milo clone because maybe Melorganite is scarce in your area, how to find it. And the way you do that is you flip it over 
and you read the label and you want to look for the the uh, source material and you want to look for the word biosolids, biosolids. That is what malorganite is at its core. Malorganite is just a brand name and it stands for Milwaukee Organic Nitrogen. Milorganite, Milwaukee Organic Nitrogen. That's a brand name that they created and it's, and it's become a thing now. But what it essentially is, is it's biosolids. Now I have video that I made where I went to the plant and uh, it's the Milwaukee Metropolitan Sewerage District. I know there's a lot of new folks in the audience. And so what they do is they literally boil all this stuff down and the microbes chew it all up and consume it. And it becomes, and then they bake it in these giant ovens that are bigger than school buses. And out the other end comes this beautiful black gold that we call malorganite that smells like blueberries and rotting dead people. And it is wonderful. It is a thing. It is a great fertilizer. Now, as you're looking at the clones, look for that word biosolids. But then secondly, you need to look at the analysis because not all of the clones are created equal. Malorganite's analysis is 640 plus iron, 2%, 3%. Ooh, I should look that up. How come I don't know that? Okay, I got it. It took me a second, and I wanted to make sure I get this out right because I don't want to get an email from the Malorganite folks. We're still, they still partner, we still partner together. They're still a sponsor of mine, just so you guys know. I write blog posts for them, and uh, we're going to do uh, some different things this year with maybe with some, well, I can't tell you, but so I still partner with them, and, and so I want to make sure I get this right. So back a while ago, we were at 4% nitrogen in, in uh, Malorganite, but it has since gone to 2.5%, and that was a few years ago that it did that, and that's just because the waste stream changes over time. Like, like seriously, you know, Milwaukee itself was a big uh, brewery, brewing area, and I think a lot of the breweries are gone now and have changed, and so that will change the waste stream, a lot of water coming out of there. So all of those things. So when you're looking, though, for the clone, are you getting a 640 with 2.5% iron? Because that's what you're getting with malorganite. You will find that some of the clones have a lot less. I see some 420s, 430s out there. And that is just because of the waste stream in different parts of the country. Because what's happened is a lot of other sewerage districts have realized they can capitalize on this. In the past, what they would do is sell it as sludge to farms a lot of, in, in a lot of cases. It takes some extra steps to process it and to granulate it and to get it into prills where it can be applied to lawns, especially at the beautiful size and consistency that malorganite is. And so that takes a lot of investment for them to do that. But I think a lot of them are realizing they can capitalize on it, but they're falling short with their marketing because no one knows what they have. But it does vary around the country. And, um, and so when, it, when, you, when you get it from different parts of the country, the analysis will vary, but also, again, the size will vary. Uh, and, of course, the odor will vary. Let me tell you, I talked about that stuff down here in Florida that Lee Moore has. Holy shnikes. That stuff smells like... Um, it's, it smells like... Um, uh, rotting boar flesh, like it, like think of like the hottest day in, in the South with all of this, this hard, um, humidity in the air where it's like, it's like steamy from the humidity cause it's so hot. And imagine a giant wild boar died in the middle of the street and was left there for a week to rot. That is what the biosolid down here in Florida, the clone that looks just like Milo smells like. In fact, what you do is uh, on neighborhood garage sale day, when all of your neighbors are going to have a garage sale and you're not, what you do is you put down a really heavy app of the Sunnyland All Natural. That's what they call it, Sunnyland All Natural. 
But don't worry, you, you'll get it and not know it. You'll think it's malorganite. You put that down before the day before neighborhood garage sale day, and I promise you, none of your neighbors will make any sales at all. They won't. Now, why would you do that? I don't know. Did I ever do that? No, of course I would never do that. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me here on Lawns Across America 2022 here at the end of March. For those of you that are listening here at the end that might happen to be out at the Freedom Factory this Friday, I will be out there. I sit right on turn four, which is the far east end of the bleachers. That's where I like to sit and that's where I hang out. And that is where I will be writing down all of the lawn infractions that I see. All of these racers, all of these big YouTubers, millions and millions of subscribers, but the thing that matters most is if they damage the lawn, they get on my naughty list. And you do not want to be on the Lawn Care Nuts naughty list because I will hammer you on Twitter. <laughs> I'll roast you. I'll roast you on Reddit. <laughs> uh, but uh, I really do enjoy being out at that race and uh, having a good time. If you have never been out to a race out there and you're a local, I do encourage you to come out because this is what racing should be. You can come early, hang out in the stands, have great conversation with great folks who just love to talk about America, have a couple bush lights. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. It's a fun crowd out there. It's a it's a it's a crowd of just awesome people, and uh, the racing is really really good. I have I I have just not seen racing that good. Uh, it's what NASCAR probably was back in its heyday. So anyway, hope to see a bunch of you out there. Hope you'll enjoy the way the grass looks. I worked really hard on it. And I actually have a special video coming up. I'll probably release that Thursday. Yeah, probably Thursday. And uh, actually hired somebody to come out and shoot some video for me. And yeah, it's going to be fun. So, and boy, the stripes. Woo! Stripes are beautiful. All right, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Hope you get to enjoy a midweek mo. Make sure you tweet me. Make sure you send me, tag me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. I'm Alan Hayne, the Lawn Care Nut. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the lawn.